minds in the game hosted by adam camilleri art of war down under hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to this episode 30 79 79 that's the one of the art of war down under podcast my name is adam camilleri as at nauseam forever in perpetuity and i'm joined by the bridesmaid of this year's uprising, the former former defending champion of the 2021 uprising, two-time uh, Australian team member, uh, will be representing Australia hopefully in the 2022 WTC, should Australia be able to make it, my good man, Matt Morisoli. Hello. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good night. I, I don't understand time zones now that you've moved overseas, but uh, how you doing, man? Now, I still don't understand time zones either. I just message people and like, how long from now you do? And they say, I do in X hours. And I say, yes, we do then. Uh, I'm pretty good, man. I am still recovering from LVO. So apologies for the, apologies for the late episode, guys. This is coming out a day late um, because I was a really tired puppy and couldn't get my, <laughs> couldn't get things together. I was just like, recording, no. Yeah, I, I was really, really wrecked. A three 16 plus hour days in a row on minimal sleep because naturally as soon as i knock off from streaming i want to see all my mates all the people i haven't gotten to talk to um because i really didn't get much of a break between rounds and then when i did get a break between rounds i did not want to speak at all i was just like silence only please um so yeah i was absolutely wrecked and i understand you were pretty much the same um uh, post uprising as well mate so please t- tell us a little bit about how uprising was for you because you did come second this year. You came first last year at the first one. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on the event? Oh, it was was heaps of fun, man. It was uh, it was really really good. Good improvement on on last year. Unfortunately, couldn't go back to back. I I didn't I didn't really think I could. I think uh, look the the guys from up in Queensland have been playing big events all year, and we really just haven't in uh, in my part of the mm-hmm. world because of lockdown and stay at home orders and things like that. So unfortunately I just sort of, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a pretty quiet year um, for, for my part of the world, but um, went and gave it a good shot, you know, went and, you know, yeah, made it all the way up to the top table and, and, and finished second. Dude, so I'm not too unhappy about that. Nothing to be ashamed of there at all. Um, this episode, we are going to be covering the new missions, the new strike force missions. And over in part two, we're going to talk changes. We're going to answer questions. And we're going to, we'll talk a little bit at points, a little bit about the sub-faction and mono-sub-faction rules, et cetera, et cetera. Big mover and shakers, stuff like that. But to tell you guys a little bit about what we do here on Art of War Down Under, we are mainly a review podcast. That is our modus operandi. That is why we exist, to keep you up to date with all the new crazy and amazing things coming out for 40K with, of course, the competitive scene in mind. Um, to that end, anytime there is new content, we'll be reviewing it back to back, cover to cover. Literally, a man and man and expert sit and read from from book and give you like hopefully top shelf opinions. Um, and that's for the purpose because it's really hard to stay current. It's really hard to stay up to date. And so we're hopefully we can help you with that, and we can be entertaining while we do it. This is a two-part podcast. You can purchase the second part of this, which is usually, if it's a, a new book we're reviewing, like we're probably going to be doing Cow next weekend. We're going to be breaking down, um, you know, pr- uh, good 
good tower builds straight out of that book, why, what they're good into, good matchups, bad matchups, etc., and then answering a bunch of listener, subscriber, and patron questions. And they'll be doing that over in part two as well. Like I said, if you want to purchase that part two, you go over to Patreon and search Art of War Down Under, or you can go over to theartofwar40k.com, purchase the second part of this podcast in addition to the second part of the wonderful um, Art of War Unbroken by Blake Law and the venerable Art of War Vanilla Flagship by uh, uh, Steve Joel now lending his exquisite vocals to the task. Matt, my man. So, Adam, my man. Yes. <laughs> Tick off that bingo card, everybody. I said my man twice. Um, 2021 Uprising. I believe yes. that was the first event you and I went to with this mission pack in particular, and in particular with the change of scoring at the turn, your primary on turn five at the end of turn if you went second. I remember yep. that because I remember I had no idea how to uh, properly prep for that in my turn five against the gentleman who beat me with Harlequins, and I got, I got a steamroll. I was like, yeah, yeah, this will be fine. This will be fine. Oh, sweet Jesus, I lost by like eight points. Um, <laughs> I was right to do so. But uh, that was very new to us then. And so I wanted to ask you about Uprising because the, the one you won, you were very new to that mission pack. And then the one this one this year, we had a full year with the same mission pack. So you've kind of got the experience at the front and the end of these missions. I want to get your insights. Do you think it was harder back then? And now that you've had two, at least two super majors under your belt, what do you think of these missions? Yeah, so I, I think 2021, um, I, I I feel like I was outplaying players a little bit more. I feel like my list wasn't quite as good as it was this year, uh, and I was just sort of winning on, you know, not making mistakes. I also very notably uh, went first uh, in seven out of eight of those missions at that Super Major when I really, really wanted to go second because um, I had a bunch of deep strike <laughs> stuff and not, I don't really do anything on the first turn. So I really wanted to go second in almost every mission and I went first, I think, seven out of eight times. Um, so uh, that was kind of unfortunate. I think this year I, I had a much better list, but I also think the level of play was yep. much higher and everyone was sort of, they, they sort of solved the missions now. Um, you know, mm. that that kind of, the, the idea that they've been out for so long and people have played all of them so many times, I think the level of play was a bit higher. Um, but I also had, you know, I, I think I had a much better list this time. So last year or twenty twenty one, I feel like, um, you know, I, I feel like the, you know, the player matchups were a bit easier, but the, um, the list matchups were probably a little bit easier this time, and the player matchups are a little bit harder. I think if that kind of makes sense. That, that 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 does make sense to me. It makes sense, especially as you're saying you had a much more tuned list to the missions this time around. But last time with the experience, you were able to leverage just a player skill a little bit more. Um, jumping yeah. over to people following along at home, we're going to be starting off with the Strike Force missions from Warzone Nachmund Grand Tournament. Uh, this will be number one one. So that is page 38 for those following along at home. Um, I do apologize. This is a shorter episode, which is strictly going to be doing uh, maybe I say a short episode. We'll probably blow out to an hour and a half as we always do, but if this is a short episode, so be it. I'm still really wrecked. I know Matt's a sleepy boy as well, so it's an awkward time for him. So bear with us if this is a quick one. Hopefully it's still crazy insightful. First mission, recover the relics. I should have asked you, have you had many games with this new mission pack yet? Uh, I've played four or five now, I think. I've played, I think I've played yep. five different missions. For, for what it's worth, I refused to play the scouring in the last book, and the first game I played <laughs> of the, uh, the new mission pack was the scouring. So I, I literally never played the other scouring, and the first one I played out of this mission pack was, uh, was the scouring. So I thought that was pretty I funny. I find that very disappointing. The scouring is one of my favorite missions because stuff has to happen. Um, I do not like how it was so structured in the past book that it was just big win or big loss, so, which just seems yeah. to be the only thing that happened. But uh, I did love that it, it, it forced, as a commentator, it forced action for me to call. Um, yeah. So before we jump into this, we should talk about the basic structure of these and how they differ to the previous years. Yeah, but unpack that for people, how the, the primaries changed a little bit. 
Yeah, so it's sort of easier to look at the primary is actually like a primary and a tertiary now. So the hold one, hold two, hold more, or the hold two, hold three, hold more for five, 10, or 15, they're now worth four points apiece. So it's either hold one or two for four, hold two or three for another four, hold more for a third four. Uh, and then each mission also has this little tertiary way of scoring points, which still go into your primary bucket. So they're still in that group of points that you're scoring. Uh, but there's basically, it's either an action or holding a certain objective or some other tertiary way for you to score uh, some primary points. Um, they basically replace the mission-specific secondary. So you now have to pick yeah. all of your secondaries from either your codex or from the mission pack. Uh, but other than that, basically, there's just a cool little condition on each of the missions, which you know tells you how to get a few more points that isn't necessarily just hold one, hold two, hold more. In years gone by, we would have called, when you said tertiary, that was usually our first blood warlord linebreaker kind of deal in, say, 5th, 6th, 7th edition. And if you yeah. think about it like that, it does help you conceptualize how this is, with the exception of being that it's a progressive one. You can do that, you can do that first blood warlord linebreaker-ish thing every turn to get to get up to three points. Um, yeah, and they're all, they're all completely different from mission to mission. I think this is a good... I, I actually really like the change. I found that the mission secondaries were either everyone got 15 points or they weren't worth taking. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming you've already done a, a review on the secondaries because they've been out for so long. But I think, um, look, I I, 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 oh, well, oh, sorry, boys, uh, I, I've, I've let you down here. I, I, I think um, look, when when you have a look at these secondaries, I feel like a few of them have been brought into, I suppose, a bit more viability and they're a little bit better now than they were before. Uh, but some mm-hmm. of them haven't quite been, and I really would have loved to have seen a bit more balance in the secondaries before doing this. Now, that being said, I do think overall this is a better mission pack than the one we have, I suppose, right now, like before this comes out. Uh, I think that this change is really good. It gives you a bit of flavor in each mission. There's, you know, incentive to do things other than just stand on my two objectives and try and score my my secondary mm-hmm. points. Um, but oh, look, there's there's some good and bad stuff about it, and I guess we'll sort of we'll get into that pretty soon. Yeah, I, I, and we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end. I'm going to do this first This first one for us. This is um, Mission 11, like I said. This is Recover the Relics. And, of course, we're only going to be doing the Strike Force missions because, as a competitive podcast, these are the ones that are kind of the most relevant. Um, and there are, of course, still nine of these. So it goes from 11 all the way up to 33, um, that being the two D3s that you roll. So uh, the mission rules. Um, in this mission, a player only receives a Battleforge CP bonus at the start of their command phase if they control either one or more objective markers in their opponent's territory, or if they control one or more objective markers in no man's land. In addition, if at the start of the command phase, a player controls the objective marker in their opponent's deployment zone, the player receives an additional one command point. So the deployment map for this one is what we would call a hammer and anvil. This is on the short edges, 18 inches up. There are five objectives, one placed kind of in the center, dead center middle of your deployment zone of that eight inch, inches up off the short edge. And then there's four um, four placed eight inches from the center line in kind of the the quadrants of no man's land if you divide the no man's land into, into four quadrants, four quarters. Now, the take and hold here is, of course, there's a hold one, hold two, hold more. So it's four for one, eight if you hold two, another four if you hold two, another four if you hold more than your opponent. Um, the primary objective cannot be scored in the first battle round. In the fifth battle round, the player who has a second turn does not score any victory points until the end of their com- uh, at the command phase, until they score them at the end of the turn instead, to maximum of twelve. And here are the um, the spicy, spicy new tertiary points, so to speak. At the end of each battle round, each player scores one victory point for each enemy unit that was destroyed during that battle round to a maximum of three victory points. Uh, if a unit can, if this if it is destroyed and resurrected for any reason, 
Um, potentially counters having been destroyed several times for the purpose of this primary objective. Um, it, exactly what it says there. So, my dude, recover the relics. What do you think? Uh, so, I, I feel like the, uh, the, the CP, you know, regen change here, that, that, that's basically the only relevant part of this mission that's really notably different to Agreed. Uh, the way it was before. Like, obviously, the kill point tertiary here is interesting, but I feel like, you know, look, the, the reality is it's such few points that if you're playing something like an MSU army with a lot of small units, uh, you're likely to be giving up something like grind anyway. And it kind of mm -hmm. just leans a little bit heavier into the natural flow of how that game was going to be played regardless. Obviously, you might need to be a little bit more yeah. careful if you've got 12 five-man units running around. Uh, but it's really the CP. The, 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 the CP change here is probably the most interesting part. I think given it's Hammer and Anvil and your home objectives are... 40 odd inches away from each other at the start of the game it's very very hard for that extra cp to come up but i also yeah. think that um you know being killed off your home objective because you didn't put enough there you know your, your opponent might not necessarily control it but it, it, it is very easy for you in the later turns of the game to run a bit fit on stuff and get shot off your home objective so uh That's obviously very true. yeah you've got to be be mindful about that because um especially late game you don't want to be not getting your cp back uh but I think this is a fine mission. I think this is a very balanced mission. I don't think this is too funky. I think the flavor level is pretty good. Um, I really like it. I think this mission is now way better for gun lines than it was because now it's very reasonable for them to hold two for eight and then get three kills for the 11, where it used to be you get a five, too bad, so sad, five to 15, five to 15, game's over. Um, especially with some of the denser tables, we've got like the GW and the WTC um, formats. Yep. So I feel like this one got a little bit better across the board for people, like the, the, the grading got leveled out. So I think it's a good change. I think it's good. You want yep, to tell us about this I next agree, one, brother? Man. All right, we go tear down their icons. Uh, so I actually, I played this one last night for the first time and I actually really dislike it. I just think it's because of how <laughs> it's just because of how complicated the wording is here. So I'm going to read this out, and if you don't understand me, it's not because I can't speak. It's because <laughs> it's really, really long. All right. So in this mission, both players can attempt the following action uh, as described in the core rulebook. Prime explosives. One unit from your army can start to perform this action at the end of your movement phase if it is wholly within your opponent's territory, which is their half of the board. It's not their deployment zone and is more than nine inches away from any primed explosive objective markers. See below. Uh, I'll read that out in a little bit. If the unit performing this action has the obsec rule, uh, the action is completed at the end of your turn. Otherwise, it's completed at the start of your next command phase. So if you have an obsec unit doing this, happens once you're done with your turn. Otherwise, you have to wait until the start of your following turn. If this action is successfully completed, set, uh, set up one primed explosive objective marker on the battlefield, that is wholly within your opponent's territory and wholly within three inches of the unit that completed the action. This represents a cache of primed explosives, but does not count as an objective marker for any rules purposes other than the diffuse explosive action and the detonate primary action, see right. So the diffuse Jeez. explosive action, one unit from your army Already. can start to perform this action at the end of... Wait, 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 we're just going through this and we'll, we'll unpack. Uh, one unit from yeah. your army can start to perform this action at the end of your movement phase if it is within range of a primed explosive objectives marker within your own territory, and no enemy units, excluding aircraft, are within range of the same primed objective's explosive marker. This action is completed at the end of your turn, provided the unit attempting it is still within range of the primed explosive's objective marker. If this action is successfully completed, roll 1d6 and add 3 to the result if your unit has the obsec special rule. On a 4+, plus, remove that objective marker from the battlefield. Okay, okay. I think I get this. I think I understand. Okay, so I, I'm going to put this into plain English. 
My yeah. unit goes into your half of the board. My unit does an action. I put a bomb in your half of the board. Your units are like, whoa, I don't want to get blown up. They walk up to that. They try and defuse the bomb. If they don't defuse the bomb, I get three VPs at the end of the battle for each one of those that are there. If you do defuse the bomb, I don't get any VPs. If you put a bomb in mine and I don't defuse it, I don't get the three VPs and you do get the three VPs. It's basically just doing an action in your opponent's half of the board and then forcing your opponent to also do an action to undo the action that you've already done. It's um, literally... So, yeah, I'm going to even TLDR that even more. My unit runs up and flicks a switch. Your unit goes and flicks the switch back off. That's it. That's all that two paragraphs is. They could have just said that. Action, flip switch. For every flip switch in opponent's side of the table, get four points. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 just, I just sat there talking for about two minutes. How do you commentate four games in one day? Because I'm already done. Yeah, I'm good. That, 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 those two paragraphs did just do my head in. I was just, um, holy, holy moly. Um, otherwise, yeah, otherwise, it's a hold one, it's a hold two. Um, it is the uh, the Vanguardy, like the the priority target uh, style. Um, oh, sorry, the, 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 yeah, the, the halfway up to the corner yeah. uh, deployment, the, the corners there. Um, and yeah, as mentioned, sorry, it, it's four VP, not three. Sorry for each one of those actions you complete. So um, I don't understand how you get twelve on this though, because there's, there's uh, the, the center objective has to count, right? Otherwise, you can only get a max of eight on this. Even if the, it's a, it says up to a max of fifteen points, is it possible to get fifteen points on this? You can only get a max of twelve. That's only if the center objective counts, right? No, so you you don't do it on the objectives. You do it uh, away from objectives because a primed explosives objective marker is not an objective marker. You do it so anywhere on your opponent's half of the board. What the? I want to swear. Okay, okay. Are they? Are, what, are they? Yeah. What? What? Why? This is. It's bizarre. So you just, it's very. Apologies. Bizarre. Apologies for my TLDR. I got this completely wrong. You're, this is how confusing this is. <laughs> I no, you, you, you flip a switch, but not on an objective. You flip a switch away from an objective. Yes. But in your opponent's so, half of the board. So, um, how far over their deployment line do you need to be? You, wholly well, the their, ter- their territory, which is their half of the board. So, if you break it up, if you are on, standing on the long table edge, um, you know, uh, you basically go halfway down the board, like literally draw a line straight through the center objective, and then it is uh, any your unit has to be wholly within their half of the table. Yeah, this thing just snapped me. This snapped me big time. <laughs> um, okay, so yes. Uh, yeah. All right. So inst- you just run over your pl- opponent's line away from the objectives, and to do this, so you're Correct. throwing you're throwing units into their deployment zone to not get primary points. To Correct. I mean, it, it can be it can be cool to try and make your opponent get units off their objectives, but this is just so unnecessarily messy and yeah. so, benefits sorry, MSU yeah. obsec so much more than anyone else. Like if you are not MSU obsec, like if you don't, if you don't, like, funnily enough, guardsmen are amazing at this. Scions are like this. This is this is phenomenal. Like, yeah, we we get to do something. Um, but like, how do custodies do this? How does how, do, how does knights do this? How does that is like so many armies cannot even look at this. And consider doing it. Yeah. Uh, so the little meta game we've sort of figured out. Like I said, I played this once last night. So please take this with a grain of salt. The little meta game we figured out last night is that deploying a unit because it's the hard corners, like you know, from halfway on the board all the way yeah. to the opposite opposing uh, like diagonal, is that you start an obsec unit right on the tip of your corner. And basically, yep. if you don't have fast obsec and lots of it to go and and like deal with this this problem of your opponent doing this, you just pick grind. Because you're just going to get grind if your opponent has a bunch of obsec and they're you know throwing. Because they're going to feed you. They're going to feed you to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. I feel like there's going to be so many armies that can't even consider doing this. They're just going to get their book out. They're going to scribble out this whole half the page and be yeah. like, "This is the mission now. It is just the primary." Um, yeah. This is absurd. 
<laughs> this is totally absurd. Um, can <laughs> yeah. we can we move on? I don't want to look at this one anymore. Sure, Adam. You you can uh, you can read the next one out because my voice is still uh, recovering from the prime explosives right. <laughs> objective marker uh, jargon and the de- yeah and the detonate of de- yeah whatever. Um, Data Scry Salvage, page 42. This is objective, uh, so mission number one, three. Uh, mission rules. If this, uh, this mission, in this mission, from both units from both players can attempt the following action are described, blah, 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 blah. Data Intercept. One unit from your army can start to perform this action at the end of the movement phase if it is within range of an objective marker within its own deployment zone and no enemy units, including aircraft, are within range of that objective marker. This action is completed at the end of your turn, provided the units attempting it is still within range of that objective marker. So start at the start at the start of your turn, finish at the end of your turn. Um, in this mission, if a player controls an objective marker that is in no man's land at the end of their command phase, and one or more of their units are within range of one of the more units that are in range would have the objective secured ability, or a similar rule, it means that their players control. It means it remains under players control. Okay, until a player controls it at the start of any subsequent phase. So sticky yep. objectives. Uh, also, you, you have to claim your objectives now. You don't just get to be sticky because you control them. You have to do the action to make them sticky. Is that correct? Uh, no, 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 no. The action is data intercept. Data terminals is the mission special rule. So data oh, apologies. Yeah, so data intercept is the action. And uh, for whatever reason, they show you the uh, the action, then the mission special rule, and then the data intercept progressive objective on the other side can, of the page you can see how i got that confused because i thought those two yes. were joined and that was part of the same thing don't um, worry Adam, so I, just, I forgive you thank you that was extremely confusing <laughs> um so data intercept each time a unit from your army successfully completes a data intercept action as, as i just reported um you score a number of victory points equal to the number of objective markers that are currently under the control in no man's land to a maximum of three victory points per action so so they've capped it now at a max of three it used to be no cap yeah um, and yes. it has to be in no man's land in addition. So you don't get the one that you're sitting on in your deployment zone. You only get the ones you control in no man's land. Correct. The difference now is, though, that it completes at the end of your turn. So you can yep. do it at the start of your turn, go move yep. uh, units onto three objectives and score three points. But so then be- you are be- throwing those yeah. units away. Yeah, It's better and worse. I like this better, I think. I like this better, I think, because I've got a lot more control about it. You, your opponent has less say about you getting the points, but they have more say in punishing you. I guess uh, on the reply yeah. that uh, once again, very, very confusingly worded. Maybe I'm a little bit, still a little bit scattered from LVO and admittedly uh, that's exactly what I am. Um, but yeah, that would, yeah, fair enough. What do you think about this one? This is a control two as well. So it's two for four, yep. th- um, three for another four. And of course, hold more. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Cause apart from that, nothing's changed, right? Correct. So the deployment's the same. Everything else is the same. It's the other hammer in it or not hammer in it, the other Vanguard strike, rather the, the, the deeper corners. Um, so, I, I think that the change here is basically like it, it's basically trivial. It's it's not really a, a meaningful mm. change. I think that um, at a competitive level, what I noticed, you know, over the last couple of months playing against the better players on um, on you know, Vital Intel, which is now Data Sky Salvage, was that every single uh, you know uh, mission where you'd play this, you would just turn it into Hammer and Anvil, and you'd each have three objectives yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. And then if you both took this, if you both took data intercept, you're both going to score the same roughly number of points on it anyway. Mm. Now it rewards players who have more MSU. Um, but also, again, if you're playing against someone who has more MSU, because you now know when you're selecting your secondaries, you know this is part of the mission. You don't know if they're going to pick um, yeah. data intercept in the old missions. But in the new missions, you know this is always part of the mission. So you can very safely pick grind. 
uh, because, again, if they've got a lot of MSU, they're going to be doing this because it's literally always part of the mission now. You're not exactly. gambling on them yeah. picking yeah. Da- uh, data intercepts and you know then throwing units out at you. So I think this is very similar to the previous one where MSU armies are going to play it better, but then secondaries like Grind um, are going to you know be a bit more, you know I-, I-, I guess, a bit more of a factor and a bit more likely to come up. Um, your opponent can't really just play super duper KG and uh, you know, have you like denied the entire secondary objective? So I think it's fine. I, I think it's about the same as it was before. I think that it's mm. you know, the changes are almost changes for the sake of being changes. But uh, it's it's fine. It's still a good yep. mission. Fair. All right, over to you, mate. All right, we're going to number twenty-one, uh, abandoned sanctuaries. So um, the special rule for this one is that uh, if you have a unit that can infiltrate, basically deploy anywhere on the battlefield. Uh, it can't be set up in no man's land. If it has a rule that allows it to make a move before the game, it cannot use that move to move into no man's land. So you deploy in your deployment zone, and um, yet you don't leave your deployment zone. It's a it's a dawn of war deployment. Um, it's essentially um, you know battle one lines. in the center. Uh, well, no, because it's got five objectives. Yeah, uh, yeah so it's, it's battle yeah. lines with one in the center essentially, mm-hmm. but you deploy in um, in dawn of war instead of hammer and anvil. So it is a hold one, hold two mission. And the progressive objective is secure the sanctuaries. So at the end of each player's turn, the player who's turned it in scores two VP. If they satisfy at least one of the following conditions, you control the objective in the center of the battlefield, or you uh, the sorry you destroyed at least uh, one enemy unit that was within six of the center of the battlefield uh, at the start of their turn. So either you get the center, or you kill a unit in the center, and you get two VP. Um, at the end of the battle, whichever player controls the objective marker in the center scores one additional VP. So there's one end game battle points for holding uh, the middle. Um, sorry, is that five? It is five. No, it's five, I'm, I'm It's five. I, yeah. I am reading a very bad copy of the book. I apologize. It's five VP if you hold the center at the end of the game, and it's two VP each time you either get onto the center uh, during the game or you kill a unit that started uh, this, on the center. This one seems too good. This the, the, the tertiary seems too good here. This is amazing. And there are so many armies that I think do this so much better than others. Thick well, City yeah. just gobbles this up. Taking Oath of Moment as a space print, I just gobble this up. This is great. Yeah, so it combos really well with Investigate Signal because it's literally exactly. I was about to say, exactly that as well. And also, man, going going second, like it's oh, ridiculous. You can't, you can't just win if you go second. Like the, the five mm. VP in any sort of cagey game, uh, going second here Dude, is very well, very good. It it's usually a tw- it's a fifteen points. Uh, sorry, it's a up to 15 point swing going second on other missions. This one's at a 20 point swing. That's so much worse. Holy crap! You well, have to be 21 yeah. points up on your opponent going into the going into their turn five if you go first. It's just it's just not a thing in a close well, that's game. Not entirely accurate because now the primary is four each. Um, so normally it's a five point swing going second because it's you know just five extra primary. But now yeah. it's four extra primary plus five for this. So it's a nine instead of a five. So it just makes going second much better. That much better. Yeah, uh, the no. What do you think about the no man's land change? Like no infiltrators, no pre pre game moves. Um, I think it's fine. I think mean, I think it's cool to have one mission like that. Not many armies have ah. that as their gimmick anymore. Uh, but yep. you know, I, I think it's okay to have that in one mission. I I guess you know they're trying to make it a bit harder to get onto the center. You know, to start with, but you're still mm. sort of you're still just in doing a war. Most armies have some sort of fast element to get there on the first turn. Um, well, so I'm, I'm coming yeah. at from the opposite side because the armies that leverage that, that still leverage that. I'm talking like Raven Guard, Nerglings, um, the, and all the ones that I would reel, reel off that love that pregame move to have actually a decent play, Blood Angels. Um, 
none of them are super strong at the moment, and now I feel like they just got a hit out of nowhere for no reason. So, ugh, pro- probably unnecessary. I do like it though. I think it's I think it's a cool little a bit of jank to add on there. I just think it could be a feels bad for some people who, who you know you pay a premium for those kind of abilities, and now you don't get the option to use them. And so I yeah, can see look, it being a bit of a feels bad at the time, but I think it's pretty cute still. I think it's pretty fun. Yeah, I, I think maybe five points for the end game uh, objective too is much. a bit much. Um, yeah. Two or three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. 22 conversion. The mission rules. Let's hope I can read this one correctly, right? Uh, this, uh, leading from the front, in this mission, a player only receives the Battleforge CP bonus at the start of their command phase if their wallet is on the battlefield or if they are embarked in a transport model that is on the battlefield. It is a hold one, hold two, hold more. Uh, and the corrupted ground is the progressive objective. At the end of each player's turn, the player's turn it is scores four victory points, victory points if they control the objective marker in their opponent's deployment zone, score two victory points if they control one or more objective markers that are in no man's land, and score one victory point if they do not control if they do not control the objective marker in their own deployment zone. Sorry, loses one. See, I almost read it correctly. Uh, loses one victory point if they do not control the objective marker in their own deployment zone. A player's victory point score can never be reduced to less than zero. That, praise be for that last clause. That you're just getting ruffle stomped, and in addition to be ruffle stomped, you're losing points. That would be rough. This is table quarters, so there's five objectives: one in the middle of each a quarter of the table, and then one in the center. And then you you, you deploy in your in a top you know top right or bottom left nine inches away from the the center objective in your quarter of the table. Um, yep. This looks this looks like the most standard one we've seen, like the pretty pretty basic. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. I, I think that uh, really fast assault armies are going to like this one. You start relatively mm. close to each other. Um, you know, you, you start the closest out of any, you know, any yep. mission eight inches away from the the center, the bubbles out for each other. Um, you've got flank objectives. You've got the um, you know the incentive to go get your opponent's objectives and go get the no man's land objectives. And like, you've really got an incentive to go get your opponent's home objective. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think. You know, the, the Kraken Steelers of the world are going to love this sort of mission. I, 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 this is a pretty good one. It's pretty balanced. I don't really see any issues with it. I, I feel like it's just, uh, you know, th- this might be one of those ones that becomes a really standard, you know, round five or round six, like a last mission to play. Mm. Um, I think it's pretty well balanced. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's very well balanced. Does is this is there anywhere at the front of this book that says there's a maximum of 15 points you can score each turn? Because as it sits right now, you can score 16 points on your primary Oh, sorry, you um, just got 18 yeah. points on your primary. Uh, I'm under the impression that there is, but I also don't have that information, so I will yeah. say I don't know. <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right, dude, I think this is the fairest one we've seen, and I, I liked it quite a lot. It's very standard, very fair, very up and straight up and down. Here's your favorites up next. <laughs> oh, story. the scouring. Oh, great mission. All right. So this one, the objectives, if you're familiar with the scouring, they are the same objective placement as they were in the previous uh version of the mission the only difference is now it's just hammer and anvil deployment so now you have an actual deployment zone not a weird little box to you know you know sort of deploy yourself in um so the mission special rules for this one or spec scan um one unit from your army can start to perform this action at the end of your movement phase if it is within range of an objective marker that has not been scanned by a unit from your army yet uh the unit cannot start this action while there are any enemy, enemy units uh, any enemy units except aircraft in range of the same objective marker, and it is completed at the start of your next command phase or at the end of the battle, whatever happens first, provided the unit is still in range of the same objective marker. Um, the action is completed, then you scan the objective. So basically, you sit in an objective, you perform an action, 
Um, you know, it's done at the start of your next command phase, so you have to live on that unit of the objective for a turn. And each time you do that, you score three VPs. So you can only do it on each objective once. Um, yep. You know, basically, it's very difficult for you to get any more than like three. Uh, I, I guess even getting the sense is probably pretty difficult against uh, most armies. If you get three points, congratulations. I, th- I think is the is what, the way I'm reading it. Yeah. So it's a hold one, hold two. Um, and, so that's a change. Uh, correct. It is for scouring. It is a change. That's correct. Yeah, it's a hold one, hold two, uh, where basically you do an actions on an objectives and you score three points each time you do it. It's very, it's very standard now. It's just that there are no objectives in your deployment zone. However, if you play with the little the neoprene mats, what you you find out is actually the two objectives closest to your deployment zone actually do just touch into your deployment zone. So while you have no objective like marker in your deployment zone, the three inch aura of objective control does just touch essentially where mm. you deploy your army. So it's yeah. not quite as bad as it seems in terms of forcing everyone to rush to the center heaps, uh, but it does create some, um, you know, some some fighting and some uh, some conflict in the middle of the board, I think. I think this uh, mission special rule, the the bonus, the tertiary, is way too hard to get. Um, I think it should be It's pretty be like, easy to get twice, though, but it's, it's going to be the same. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's pretty easy to get twice, but I feel like both players are going to get the same amount, realistically. Uh, in like 80% of cases, you both end on the same amount. So it doesn't really create any points differences. doesn't really create any real intrigue. It just seems like, well, it seems like a very fair mission again, like the previous one, which I suppose for the scouring is a vast improvement. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I feel like it's it's playable now. It's probably not my favorite mission, but it's definitely not, you know, oh, the scouring anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, moving on. Tide of Conviction. This mission special rule is supply lines. In this mission, a player only receives the Battleforge CP bonus at the start of the command phase if they control the objective marker in their own deployment zone. And holy merciful, what is this mission deployment? So it is a door to war, so it's on the long edge. Um, you know, your your standard inches, ten inches up. And yep. this is bizarre. You have one objective three in the middle of your deployment zone, three inches in from the line. So perfectly placed to be entirely controllable in your deployment zone and not controllable in no man's land or, or a tiny little bit in no man's land, I suppose, because you got a, you got a um, 40 mil puck. Um, mm-hmm. And then this is going to be so hard to complain, to explain. You have two objective markers in your deployment zone. One of them, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Six okay. inches. There, there, there are, yeah, there are four objective markers in in no man's land. There's one each in both of the deployment zones. Six inches directly up from the objective, and six inches to your left, there is an objective marker, and eighteen inches to your right, and vice versa for your opponent. So what you have is you have this triangle of objective markers, and your mm-hmm. opponent has a triangle of objective markers on the other side of the board. So basically, it is asymmetrical, uh, but the objective markers are equal distance from each other. So you have two yes. on the flanks that are a long way from each other and then two towards the center that are relatively close to each other as well as your home objective. You need to look at the the thing to describe yeah. it. But it, this is yeah, so, it, it was so hard to unpack. My brain was not prepared. Um, it is a whole two objective, so hold two for four, um, three for, for eight, etc. cetera. Uh, and then overrun is the progressive portion of this. At the end of each player's first, second, and third ter- third and fourth turn, where the player whose turn it is scores two victory points if they control at least one objective marker in their opponent's territory. At the end of the battle, each player scores four victory points if they control the objective marker in their opponent's deployment zone, and two victory points for each objective, each other objective marker they control that is in the opponent's territory to a maximum of eight victory points. So 
it's all about contesting your opponent's side of the table. Um, in play in turn one, turn two, turn three, and turn four, you get two VP for controlling anything on your opponent's side of the table. I think I like this. I hate how hard this is going to be to set up, how frustrating it's going to be to set up on the table, but everything else I actually quite like. What do you think? I think this really rewards going second again as well. The, the, yeah. the two points each that you get for um, like the objectives at the end of the uh, at the end of the battle is just really good. The, the thing is the player going second, right? The, the player going first doesn't get to score for these objective markers at the end of their fifth turn. They have to wait for their opponent to have a turn. And then mm. you work out how those objectives get split up. I just think that going second here is uh, is a very, very big advantage. The only thing I could say is that if you have extremely quick units, the person going first can go and get a very easy two points turn one. Like just rock on up. All you need to do is, is pretty much get be able to move, deployed on the line and move 18 just turn one, and you're going to get two points in, yeah, in the bag sure. if you go first. Yeah, sure. Um, but I also don't but think that's worth losing eight at the uh, at the end of the game. Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely freaking right, man. I can see exactly what you mean. Like it's so heavily weighted to going second and probably overrated. I do kind of like how close the objective in your deployment zone is. It actually is not going to be outside the realm of possibility to get that at least maybe once a game if you've got a, the, the list to do it. Whether in some in some deployment zones, it's, it's just getting your opponent's objective is impossible. So yeah. There is that. Um, how do you think being a whole two plays into this? Um, well, obviously, you have your home objective and you're pretty much always going to have that. Um, yep. I think there are sort of two trains of thought here, right? Because on your objective that's further away from the middle, uh, it's very easy for you to have a unit on the line, walk up and just mm. grab that one. And your opponent isn't really incentivized to put things opposed opposing the objective marker because they're so far away from it. They start so far yeah. away from it. Yeah. So if you have good terrain there, holding two is pretty easy and then you can sort of fight the other ones. But the opposite is also true for your opponent because you're not incentivized to put anything on their objective marker. So, you know, it, it's kind of pretty difficult. I, I feel like um, I feel like the hold two part of the mission probably isn't super relevant. I feel like holding three is quite difficult. But I also mm. think, again, it's just going to get really bloody in the middle of the board because yeah. that's sort of like there are four objectives up the center, essentially, um, just uh, you know, offset from each other. So, yeah, I it, feel, it's all right. I feel like when this one, I feel like Thick City is just like licking its chops in this mission, right? You just deploy on your center objective, wait for turn two, and then bull rush all the way through the middle and the game is absolutely over. Because as soon as you can, as soon as you can threaten, sorry, as soon as you control the one that's like six inches up, six inches out from your opponent's deployment zone, their home objective might as well already be gone because they can't stay there. You're, you're like, those those two objective markers, their control zones are only like three inches apart. Uh, yeah, is that correct? No, but They're very no, close. Nah. No. No, or is it six, nah, six inches that. apart then? So no, that, it's the, more than that. I, 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 can't, do, I can't do trigonometry. Uh. We need some Pi <laughs> Pythagoras' theorem right here to find out the, the long edge of this triangle. Um, so what you're six, if you're six inches up and six inches out on the control zone of the other one, because it's nine inches up and then six inches across from that one, so that's minus three from each of those. Um, uh, whatever. It's close. An advance in charge, you, you're right there. You know, <laughs> I, I've got the calculator up, Adam. Okay, so the objectives are 8.48 inches from the center, which means the control zone of that is going to be uh, roughly five inches, which means they are going to be the control zone is going to be about ten inches from each other. Ten, yeah, really, not three. Yes, really. Pythagoras says it is true. Pythagoras says, "Adam, your brain no good. Go back, go back to sleep." And I can't disagree. But yeah, okay. that's I, still I very close. The, yeah, I got to use the Dude. square root function on Google Calculator. I don't think I've ever done that before. So, uh, 
I'm uh, I'm very happy with myself. All our math teachers are incorrect. Uh, yeah, apart from that, I think this is a really spicy mission. I think this is the new spicy, spicy, scouring esque mission we're going to see. Yeah, it, it's very much go second and win, though, I think, and I don't like that too That's much. true. That's true. Um, I do. I, I feel like it, yeah. it, it benefits going second and bully armies way too much. Like, MSU just can't, doesn't feel like they can contend on that mission. Like, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't wait to go second against Liam on this at, <laughs> next year. Uh, all right, Death and Zeal's right. up next. This is yours. 32, Even though you- Death and Zeal. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, objective Purge is a mission special rule. In this mission, if a player controls an objective marker at the end of their command phase and one or more of their units that are in range of that objective marker has the obsec special rule, it remains under the player's control until uh, their opponent controls at the end of any subsequent phase. So it's sticky objectives again. Um, it is a hold one, hold two mission. Um, and the... Uh, primary, uh, the the bonus progressive objective is direct assault. So um, at the end of each player's turn, the player uh, whose turn it is scores two VP if they satisfy one of the following conditions or three if they satisfy both of the following conditions. So they control every objective marker on the battlefield or they control at least one objective marker that they did not control at the start of their turn. So uh, basically take an objective you didn't have for two points. Because yeah, controlling every objective marker, whatever. Well, I guess that's probably more so that if you hold all of them on turn four, you don't lose this on turn five. Um, oh, yeah. That's cool. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, and they destroyed at least one enemy unit that was in range of an objective marker at the start of their turn. So basically, you get two points for going and getting an objective marker you didn't already have. You get two points mm-hmm. for going and killing a unit that was in range of an objective marker, or you get three points if you do both. Uh, it's good. It's a good secondary. A good tertiary. Yeah, a good progressive I, objective. I, I think I think these these are the kind of ones that I like. Ones that force action. Ones that force interplay between opponents. And you cannot yep. score by just kind of sitting back and doing nothing. You have to go out and get things, move things. Um, I like this one a lot, actually. And did you explain what deployment it is? Uh, yeah, so it's the same as the uh, the one from two three missions ago. It's the uh, nine inch pushback from the center, uh, and yep. you're in hard corners basically. So starting eight inches away from each other. Uh, an objective in the center of each corner of the board, an objective in the center of the battlefield. Uh, yeah, it's the same as current direct assault. Uh, I believe. Uh, yeah, yep. Uh, it's I good. like this it's one a lot. Mission. Again, yeah, uh, this might be balanced. my favorite one so far. I think this is my favorite so far. I don't know. Right. Just to be clear, I haven't played any of these because I was naturally helping all the Art of War guys practice on the previous one. Because pre-LVO, even though some of this stuff had, you know, we're starting to get a look at it. There was no point in focusing on it because it just wasn't a thing then. Uh, Secure Missing Artifacts is our last one. Uh, it's number 33. Um, after a player has chosen their deployment zone, but before declared reserves and transports, the player's... Jesus. Repositioning objective markers as follows. It's, it's, it's pretty much the same as it was, yeah, in the movie yes. of objectives? Yeah, it's yes. exactly the same. Yeah. One, the, the player who rolls off and, and chooses deployment zones moves one, then the other player moves two, then you move one. The precious artifacts objective here, at the end of each player's turn, the player whose turn it is scores three fifty points if they control the priority objective marker that is in their own territory. Um, so that is exactly the same as well, right? Uh, it is entirely the same. This has not changed at all. This is... Okay, um, <laughs> at the, finally, and it's still finally a, whole- a mission. Yeah, finally a mission you can't you can't mess up. Exactly yeah, and uh, this is the same as it was in the it hold. It's a hold one, hold yeah. two. I would Correct. have loved to have seen this become a, a hold two, um, no. just to kind of spice it up. Because as it is, this might be the most boring mission in the packet. Um, it is yeah. you deploy in like so you divide the table into into half, and then you deploy in diagonally cut half of that half of the table. So you deploy in a quarter of the table diagonally cut 
off the hammer and anvil off the short edge. Um, five objectives, one in the mission, one so one in the middle, one one in the mission, and one placed in the center of each table quarter. Uh, so you got one in your deployment zone. Uh, I wish it would say that you can't. If, if, I wish it would say that you can't select the uh, objective in your deployment zone to be a priority objective. That would spice it up a hell of a lot as well. Uh, yeah, man. Um, well. I believe now that it just has to be the uh, the one that's in your own territory anyway. Like the, the 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 tertiary progressive says that it has to be the one in your deployment zone. So I guess they really wanted to double down on what everyone was already doing. Um, after all objective markers have been repositioned, each player secretly notes down one of the objective markers that is within their opponent's territory to be a priority objective marker. This cannot be the objective marker in the center of the battlefield. After both players oh, have right. deployed their armies, they reveal the choices to their opponent. So your opponent tells you which one it is. Right. So what they've done, uh, that's a very good little bit of money you picked up there that I missed. They, they've changed yeah. it. I read it as deployment zone, but it's actually opponent's territory, which is half the board. So mm. they can move the objective that's out of your deployment zone six inches towards them and then say, you need to hold this one. Um, which yeah. I guess is a big deal. Yes, this is actually a really relevant change. So just to break this down, like we like like we should have done at the start before we blah 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 our way through it. Um, we roll off to who for who you know picks sides, and then you pick your side, and then you move one of the objectives. Uh, that one that you move for the first player moves, you can move six inches in any direction as long as it doesn't finish within six inches of another or nine inches of another deployment zone or whatever. Um, and then when you then the other player moves two, and then you move one. The person who went first, and then you secretly note down which one of those you want to in, in your opponent's side of the table. You want them to have to hold for three points. Mm -hmm. uh, I like this a hell of a lot, dude. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good change. Like it's it's still very very similar to the way that it was before. I think that all this really does is simplify the objective movement metagame. I think that <laughs> you know some players were better than others at like the objective movement, uh, you know, portion of this. Uh, I think this just simplifies it because right now you just want to move the one that's in no man's land closer to you and then make your opponent try and hold it and just, you know, that, that that's kind of the obvious, you know, the obvious choice on the easiest way mm. to, uh, you know, to play this mission. Um, I, I think it's fine. I think, I think it's a, a relatively good change. I, I guess that now that, uh, you know, priority target isn't an object, like a, a secondary or you know, it's going to force the game to be a bit, a bit more, a bit more interesting, a bit more, you know, a bit more. Well, people are going to have play to. Sort of thing. Yeah. Well, there are so many armies that are just going to have to build to be better at their third objective, rather than thinking that in half or a third of every, you know, six six mission event, they're just going to get an auto secondary. They don't even need to think about. Everyone has to build to have three good three good choices at least now because you can't you don't just get a a free pass on priority targets and and, and direct assault and stuff. Um, yeah, and of of on vital intel as well, or, or whatever they're called now. <laughs> yep. uh, I love this. I love that they never mind, never mind. I love that they had to just make up all these new names, and they're just they're just convolutedly silly at, at points. I mean, conversion is cool. Yep. Uh, abandoned sanctuaries, yeah, whatever. Where's the scry skull weirdo wonky thing? Tear down their icons. Yeah, let's but get why to is, it. Why is the scouring still the scouring? It is. I was about to say, and then the, oh, that's that's that was the punchline I was getting to, and then they're just like the scouring. There will always be, there always will always must be a scouring. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 look, I have a hate-hate a, a relationship with the scouring, but the new scouring yeah. is good. I'm a fan of the new scouring. I think overall these changes are good. I, I really like them. I'm, um, I'm looking forward to playing some more games with them. Dude, um, me too. Solid. I'm actually really excited. As a commentator and a broadcaster, I love the scouring because you can't just 
be a gun line and be hoo, hoo, gonna shoot my deployment zone i actually get to call some action but uh as a player i understand <laughs> i fully understand it's a challenging like grind uh i actually i gotta say i think gw knocked it out of the park I, apart from the the detonate missions one which i think we could just con- all control i'll delete that thing from our memories and never play that that'd be fantastic uh because just trying to get your head around it at the start of the game, it will just be obnoxious for like the first month or two. So, yeah. but apart from that, I think everything's very playable. Everything's very interesting. Um, and you, you said you're happy with this, yeah? You think it's a good one? I, I think I think outside of making second turn even better, uh, mm. I think it's a really good mission pack. And that being said, I know that in some parts of the world, everyone is whinging that first turn OP. I don't think that's the case. I think that second turn is is king. You don't win games by killing stuff. You win games by scoring points. Um, and I think that going second in like three of these missions is a very clear advantage. Now, what that does mean is that you have to build some sort of fast-moving damage into your army because if you go first, you need to, you know, actually do damage and go mm-hmm. take bits of your opponent's army away before the late game. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested to see how that plays out at a competitive level because I feel like going second in like the three of those missions is a uh, a really really big, you know, a, a really big yeah. buff to uh, to that player. One thing I really like another change you can only activate a sticky objective if you've got obsec. I think I think that uh, that's a really yeah. nice change as well. That was on at least two of the missions, I think. Um, so if you walked onto an objective you didn't have obsec, it's just it's still just a pressure a pressure lock. You have to be able to have obsec to flip the flip the switch and say that's this is mine until you take it back. I think that's a nice elegant change as well. I do think like that with that explosives one and with a couple of the other ones just benefiting obsec units. Some armies are really going to suffer. Like I think I, I worry about knights again. Knights just got a great a bunch of um, life in their obsec game, but they're, they're still an army that can't do actions effectively because you know whatever. Well, they, I hope yeah, they, 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 they can they can do those because that's any unit, and the knights have obsec, so they can. Do yeah, that. yeah, but you still got to do an action a lot of the time. Give up all your shooting, all your freaking goodness. Punch no no charging, all no punching, the, no shooting. All the good all the good knight lists have armages, man. You can give up that's 140 true, point units to score four points. Oh, it still sucks though when you have to. Like it still sucks. That, and that's pretty much what I'm getting at. Like you, you're gonna though. Yeah, you have fair. to. Like you have to yeah, to win to win games. Um, and yeah, there is there are a bunch of other ones as well. Like ultra elite custodians. Even even your thick city. Like Anthony Villanelli goes on about how he has got no troops in his thick city list. Is that actually a huge issue now? Yes, it was a huge issue at LVO as well. But you know, <laughs> it's, it's okay. Uh, Throw no, that shade, like, man. Throw that shade. Do it. No, no, no. You, you, you need troops. You, you need obsec. Like, yeah. you know, uh, it, Dude, it, it I, is what it is. It, it's more important than ever now. I'm looking sideways at this list in my battle scribe that's a Quill and Shield custodies and just a bunch of signs. I'm like, oh man, this is actually really good on missions. Really good on missions. Yeah. Like every, yeah, it's phenomenal. Anyway, on that note, I think we're both leaving this on a high. There's only real one mission that snapped my brain. I, uh, my, my fatigue, uh, sorry guys, my fatigue is not, <laughs> it's got the better of me on a couple of those readings. Um, but dude, I think we can both leave this one pretty excited. What's your next event? Where are you, where are you off to next? What are you building towards? And uh, are you sticking I'm, with your Kari? So I'm playing a RTT in the middle of nowhere next weekend or this weekend in three days yep. time. Uh, I have then got two GTs uh, in two and three weeks' time from then. I'm playing Drakari for one of them, um, and I will play something else, hopefully, for the following one, but I don't know yet. So it depends on what I come up with out of the tower book. Maybe I, I might play Custodes because it's new and fun and exciting, but I don't really love Custodes for, for singles as much as you know some people do, but I don't know. I'm going to play some different stuff, I think. Um, 
the reality is the Team Australia uh, guys have too many Drakari players for WTC, so <laughs> some of us have got to stop playing Drakari. Um, and the Cow Space Marines and Cow Demons books aren't here yet, so I don't know what I'm going to play, man. Um, I'm gonna Dude, cool. I'm gonna play with some other stuff and just figure it out. Love your work, man. Can't wait to see what you do. Uh, and on that note, thank you, everybody. Come over and please join us on part two. We're going to answer a huge amount of listener questions off this packet. We're going to talk points changes. Uh, we're going to talk some other bits and pieces. Uh, apologies, though. We we should talk to one more point on this episode. Ooh, okay. uh, the sub-faction restrictions. Yes. Are you able to are you able to give us a TLDR on that? What does that mean for people? How big a change do you think it is? Yeah, so for those of you who haven't seen it, basically... Uh, if you have a, a cult, a chapter, a what one of the customizable keywords, essentially, so Cult of Strife, Cult of the, mm. the Cursed Blade, Dark Tech versus Artists of Flesh, you only get one of those. So you can still have a um, an Ash Militarum, a Space Marine, and a Knight, like a, a one detachment of each and have an Imperium army. That's legal. But you can't have a Cadian detachment and a Talan detachment in the same army anymore. All of your... Subfactions for the the parent faction have to be the same. So, yep. uh, it, it, it's you know it's, it's a bit interesting. We don't probably know exactly what that's going to mean right now. One of the the big ones for for me is that I don't have Dark Necromancers and Artists of Flesh in my Drakari army anymore. I know a yep. lot of Grey Knights armies run Swordbearers and Prescient Brethren. That's not a thing anymore. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of sister players run run uh, Valorous Heart, yep. Bloody Rose, and Martyred Lady. Yep. So that's not happening anymore. Um, a lot of I, yeah, yeah not, not, I think most of the competitive Orcliffs are just Goths or Evil Sons now, but that, yes, that, that, that's gone yeah, away or, too. Or, yeah. or Booters, but yeah, the option's gone away. Um, so I think that it hits most armies similarly. I don't think that it's a, a nerf to any one particular army. I think that the Dread Knight list obviously gets a lot worse because you only have four now. That being said, I mm. think that there are other better Dread Knight, sorry, Grey Knight builds than the Dread Knight list. Um, I don't know. I, in, I, I in, don't really know dude, what it means. Yeah, hundred percent in this in this meta at the moment. I think five dread knights probably is the wrong take, just because everyone's good into that kind of chassis at the moment, yeah. and everyone's ready for it. So it might be time to mix it up there anyway. So that could that could that could be a boon. And plus, they get a bunch more CP when you just start taking a battalion. They get like and they can use that yeah. CP. They can like drink it all down. Um, sure. So yeah, I feel, but uh, I am not a fan because I feel like at a lot of levels. The game is getting more more and more simplified. I think as a once again, I put my two hats on. As a player, I'm like, I just feel like I'm losing complexity. I'm losing my ability to, and agency to find secret spicy combinations and tech and, and not gamey stuff. I'm trying to find things that can make my list uniquely mine and and and, and pieces that I can yeah use to activate different skill sets. Um, as a broadcast, I'm like, oh praise be, everything's simple now. Everyone's got like a one detachment army. Uh, bada bada bing bada boom. Uh, yeah so much so much less spicy but yeah as a gamer i'm like i I wish there was a little bit more agency yeah look i i think that um the problem is that it's just going to really narrow down what we see because the the thing Mm. is like if you look at drakari for example you're basically if you're playing witch cult you're playing cult of strife or you're playing test of skills stim innovators you're never playing curse blade you're never picking curse blade as your yeah one witch cult however there are lists that have had the random suicide succubus the witch cult the 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 yeah, calls yeah. the ghost blade who goes and blows herself up and does a bunch of mortal wounds. You would yeah. take her, but you wouldn't take her if you couldn't also have cult of strife or cult of the exactly. uh, the the, the yeah. custom cult. So I, you're gonna lose stuff like that. It's just not gonna see play anymore. And look, maybe GW realize that's not a great change later on. Maybe they don't. Uh, but 
that that that's probably the biggest uh, you know the biggest sad point around that for me is that we're just mm. going to lose some sort of flavor. And my my other I guess the point I'm getting to is things are just going to get way more homogenized. Like net listing is just going to be not so much uh, do it if you want to compete, more like do it if you want to if you want to have a shot at anything, if you want to have enjoyment sure. almost. Because everything everyone's just going to be like we're only taking the best thing rather than so the Ben Neal, the guy who went deepest with Grey Knights at the LVO, took a Ward Makers Patrol. Man, I'd never seen Ward Makers. Before, well, I, sorry, I'd had, of course, when I reviewed it, but I'd never seen them at a, in a top level. He made the top eight with Wardmakers, the Grey Knights. I'm like, the hell do they do? Oh, sorry, maybe it was the Shadow Round, but he, he, you know, he got really deep, and I was like, what the hell do they do? I had to go look it up. Like, oh, he's doing the super, the super mortal wound librarian, and yeah. like once again, like you just pointed out, he took a whole patrol just to activate that guy. Um, you're just gonna, we're just gonna lose that that kind of flavor, and that that's what bothers me. But dude. On that note, we'll wrap this one up. Happy we'll give you guys five minutes on that change. We'll give you a whole bunch more of our opinions, um, candid, more candid opinions as well, uh, over on the other side of things. Uh, so feel free to please jump over to The Art of War Danana on Patreon or for, sorry, theartofwar40k.com over in your web browser and jump in and get involved and see you on part two. Matt, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, look, if you are looking for army lists, coaching, any of that sort of good stuff, I am a regular contributor at the the art of war so you can check you know my stuff out on the war room at the art of war 40k.com and i also do lists do coaching calls do all that sort of good stuff so if you are interested feel free to uh hit me up and we'll uh we'll help write you some cool new lists for these cool new missions i'm a, i'll send you a dark angels list later today and you can tell me how bad i am it's gonna be great i can't i cannot <laughs> wait to criticize you it's gonna be so much fun. He, he does not tell customers how bad they are by the way it's just it's reserved for me he's a good mate <laughs> Oh, All right. you, you don't know that. you don't know that <laughs> seeing as you continue to have customers i can only assume but dude on that note we will check out thank you so much guys hopefully you've enjoyed the one apologies if i was a little bit slow on the uptake today i'm really really fatigued um and thank you very much for matt for carrying my soggy ass have a good night cheers boys thank you for listening to art of war down under a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.